Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. This week, the story is about the people. Not so much how we feel about the people individually, but how we feel about them together as a cast. Because let's face it, Star Wars, like all epic film sagas, is just theater on a grand scale. It's just a, a vehicle uh, with, uh, in which different artists interact uh, for our entertainment. Even the greatest actors can sometimes fail to collaborate well with each other, but when it works, it's inexplicable, the feeling of immersion and thrill you can you can enjoy. And so this week, we're counting down our top six favorite instances of Star Wars chemistry, the actors and characters who, in pairs of two, relate to each other in the most evocative and special ways. But in the interest of keeping this fresh and potentially challenging, we've got a little catch. You may not select the same person twice. For example, if you uh, were to put the chemistry between Han Solo and Chewbacca on your list, you have used Harrison Ford. You may not put Han and Luke on your list, for example. You have uh, made your decision. <laughs> uh, and this does leave some room open for loopholes, and I guess we'll see if they ever turn up uh, as we discuss it. Otherwise, you can interpret I'm, the assignment ho however you like. I am curious to know, just based on your wording, if your interpretation of the assignment um, created a loophole for yourself that uh, I would not have had. Um, I interpreted it solely on character. Now, did you interpret it on character and actor as well? Well... In the sense that would you... Uh, allow yourself, I'm not asking if you did, but would you permit yourself to put uh, old Ben Kenobi and young Obi-Wan Kenobi on your list, or no? I don't want to get too much into what I may or may not have done in my list. Uh, no, probably in theory, I I wouldn't have selected um, Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi if I've already selected Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi, for example. Had you mm -hmm. done that, I would have allowed it. I would have said, well, that's fine. We didn't necessarily, because we are talking about chemistry, which is a technical mm. skill set uh, held by the artist, not so much in the text of the of the movie, right? Um, there, there's another, yes. there's another loophole that you can, um, that you can exploit, which I may or may not have done this, which is the interpretation of Anakin and Vader as different characters and Kylo and Ben as different characters, which we've discussed at length recently. Yeah, I, I, I don't personally think you can separate them. Um, I think it's something that it as, as much as um, I think it's you can do it a better job for Kylo because there's a level of possession that we believe is going on there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't believe you can separate uh, the Anakin from Vader as much as Vader wants it in that regard. And so uh, it's a loophole that you may have uh, been able to to expose. I would I, I did not allow that for myself uh, either. Uh, however, it is interesting in the sense of the ways you can view these um, from, like you said, from a technical perspective as, as chemistry, because in that same vein, we are still viewing these as the characters themselves right. first. Yeah. So uh, in some cases, the... Uh, an actor can't necessarily convey chemistry in this in the same way that another could because of the role itself. Okay, that is a little uh, different. We can get from a little bit I, more into that as well. It's a little different of how I interpreted it, to be honest. It it, it did matter a lot to me the actor's performance. Like that was ne definitely a make or break uh, factor in my weighing my options. Okay, that is. That's, I, I wanted to clarify with you earlier today, uh, kind of. 
and that's what I, I reached out to you. And I, that was kind of my, my attempt to clarify that. And I guess we maybe had a bit of miscommunication and that's totally fine. Um, because I still think that that will work with that. And I did still take that factor into consideration. However, there will be a selection, uh, a couple selections here that, um, will really, um, probably differ from you as a result of that difference of interpretation, which you, is fine. You might think that, or we might just be having the same conversation here and using different language because we tend to attach ourselves, whether we did it uh, deliberately or not, to the performances that were most expertly delivered. No, I mean, I guess you can appreciate a performance that's technically bad, but we don't tend to gravitate towards that. True. However, there are going to be instances here um, where, well, I can think of one, we should just get into these. We really should. Sure. But I, w I can say that there's going to be one here that uh, you never in a million years would put on your list. I know for a fact, and it's only because of my exposure to more Star Wars than you, not uh, anything um, anything else. That's totally fine. We can we can get into this in a second, but just, just to be clear, we're essentially pairing any two Star Wars figures uh, and attempting to explain um, how the partnership is meaningful to you. Did you struggle, and I, I sense based on what you just said, that maybe no, because I struggled to include any hot takes or interesting choices in my top six. I, did you find the theme to be less subjective than in previous episodes? Uh, I thought it was interesting because I felt um, there were a couple characters that are, like I have honorable mentions here, and let me just uh, take a quick second here and look through my honorable mentions. Uh, I am currently, okay, this is interesting. I am at one, two, three, four. So I have a grand total here of 14 honorable mentions. Okay. 10 of my honorable mentions do not qualify for my top six list. Because of repetition. Because of repetition. So I have the same thing. I have 18, in fact, that that I that I, I just came up with a big list of 24 where I could double up as many as I wanted. Okay, so my list yeah. is 20 and there's, yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting in that regard. All right, well. Um, because that, that made it a lot easier for me, although there are still some great honorable mentions that don't make the top six. Why don't you get it started? Uh, this is number sixth on your list of your favorite, how do we want to phrase this? Your favorite um, instance of Star Wars chemistry? Yeah, I put uh, like duo chemistry. Okay, your favorite uh, pair? And, yeah, kind of in that regard. And I also went and I looked at the best uh, movie or kind of example that the, or, or instance in which they were featured together and also specific example. And uh, my number six favorite duo chemistry would be, uh, in my opinion, the, the ultimate master and apprentice, uh, Luke and Yoda. Uh, and I absolutely adore this relationship from the crazy little green alien to the young boy looking for the warrior on the swamp of Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back all the way to their conversation um, on Octo. So it is such a phenomenal relationship uh, and one that uh, I think is quite underrated in Star Wars. How do you want to how do you want to do this? Because that's uh, that's coming up on my list a little later on. Do you want to stick a pin in that or do you want to go into Luke and Yoda uh, right now? No, I think I'm good with sticking a pin in that. If you want to kind of go to your number six, uh, Luke and Yoda is a great one, but we can talk about it in a little bit more. There's my number six. Let's go to yours and we'll get to it when it's uh, higher up on yours. Okay. Uh, for my number six, uh, I've got something that I think is even more essential than that. Uh, and it's R2-D2 and C-3PO coming in hot with like one of the most iconic pairings. And it's coming up on your list a little bit later too. And so maybe we'll get to it uh, <laughs> as we, oh, this is going to happen all evening. I can tell now. 
So this is maybe going to be our first one where we're giving each other the signal that it's going to be coming up. But, Look, this uh, was bound yeah. to happen, and we're we're paying a penance for last week where we miraculously had no double ups. That's right. Uh, this is going to be my first one. Uh, let's we can briefly talk about the R two and three PO. Let's briefly sure. just talk about the fact that that is what I reached out to you today on. Oh, okay. I uh, was wanting to know because Kenny Baker carries so little weight in that relation in that like, like Anthony Daniels is really carrying it and the work of R2D2 uh is such a collaborative effort in his uh depiction throughout the saga uh that it's it, it's kind of a tough one in that regard uh, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we were kind of on the same page but the fact that you did feature it in your top 6 uh, means that we were to some extent on the same page. Yes. Uh, and that's good. Clearly, we're talking about the character chemistry there and not so much the performative technical chemistry between those two people, who, uh, as it turns out, didn't get along very well. Although sometimes hated people... Hated each other. Sometimes people uh, who do hate each other work incredibly well together, and obviously that can be very effective. No, all I'll say about uh, R2 uh, and his... or Kenny Baker's involvement in, in that portrayal is there is something spiritually significant about it because clearly we feel like r2 r2 is real absolutely and you're absolutely right in that same way that uh we we often kind of joke about like it's like it's almost like the r2 as the force that's only because kenny baker was involved in the start and that there's literally a person in there being able to rock it from side to side there's the only reason why like that's when we first fall in love with r2 and so it makes sense okay so what's your Uh, number five yeah, my number five, speaking of, uh, this is the other instance of kind of a, a technical question mark and something that you want to make sure uh, qualifies and really hammers home on that cute factor like I just mentioned. Uh, and this would be the man with no face and the $6 million prop, Mando and Baby Yoda. Oh, wow. That's such a good one I didn't even think about. It oh. is like the relationship from the little shooting IG-11 to the finger pointing out like David. Uh, it's like it's such a great relationship. Father, son, clan of two. Um, oh, in the trailer for season two, we get, oh, daddy's about to have some shit go down. Let's close my little hut and then uh, close the little pram and we'll be good to go from there. Um, but it's just such a wonderful relationship that truly feels like one of the most refreshing things we've seen um, in any form of medium, but especially in the galaxy far, far away in decades. And it's made people fall in love with Star Wars all over again. It's created brand new fans of Star Wars more than the sequel trilogy I think it ever has. Um, Baby Yoda has so much charm uh, and so does Mando, but this is a puppet and a character where we do not see his face interact with the child. Uh, and the fact that they're able to emote such incredible chemistry between the two, uh, whether that's Baby Yoda going over to try and like uh, protect him and heal him, and him putting him in the in, back in the in the cradle and, and locking it back up, uh, it, it's just awesome. I, I adore it. Uh, my favorite specific moment is definitely um, Baby Yoda playing with the the buttons on the Razor Crest <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the the ball, and just being an absolute little nuisance, and him having to pick him up and put him back in the cradle, but. Uh, everything that the two of them do together is just so heartwarming. It's it's such great chemistry. Well, and look, I mean, Baby Yoda came in and lit pop culture on fire at a time where That's it was I mean. kind of hard to do that uh, in the grand scale of Star Wars. There's a lot of negativity swirling and everybody suddenly had a good attitude about something Star Wars related. And look, I mean, as charming as Baby Yoda as it is, he needs something genuinely organic and human mm. to ground that relationship. And so they're nothing without each other. I, and I, I 
think that goes the other direction That's too. True. Like obviously I like Din. He's and he has good interactions with other people, but the show is sorely boring without Baby Yoda. Absolutely. And when you think about what's this show going to be like? And when I heard about The Mandalorian, I was excited about it, but I wasn't as excited as I was when I remember texting you after I first watched the pilot. I was like I was losing my mind yeah. because I just my excitement level went through the roof because it was like, okay, my expectations were high and I was really excited. But this just blew it out of the water because this new relationship, oh, this is what the show is going to be about. It's not just this solo guy. It's about this like lone wolf and cub and this unexpected uh, relationship that they'll form, uh, but the immediate chemistry that they have and how unlikely it is. And like you said, they're codependents uh, and that they'll learn so much from each other. It's it, it's a great relationship. And it's nice also that it's billed as this show about a lone ranger, but it's actually becoming like a buddy movie. Like it's a, yeah. it's about this like sweet, I mean, it's about family, obviously. That's very, they're very prominent, mm. but just in general, it's about how like, loneliness kind of blows like you shouldn't strive to be solitary that's a mistake yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and it, it's really great and it's nice to see the posters for season two with the little green guy as opposed to it just being all like oh it's just this soul guy no he's got he's got his clan of two now my number five also doesn't go so far back in the history books in terms of star wars uh and it's between uh finn and poe dameron Nice. One of, one of the great movie bromances of all time. The vibe between these two characters. I mean, it was so power. It was powerful enough to set a tone for, frankly, the whole trilogy. It's something we see very early on at the start of The Force Awakens. It establishes uh, that the camaraderie essential in all of Star Wars is still achievable in the making of these new movies. It was really good for, like, uh, once we see these two kind of getting along, and it's brief, mm. but once we see these two getting along, we feel safe within this new Star Wars. It's arguably a high point for the trilogy. They rarely reclaim uh, going forward. But um, it was also quite fresh because so many of the best friendships and partnerships in Star Wars thrive on tension and competitiveness and occasional hostility. Like even if two people clearly love each other, they are always nattering. There's a lot of charming nattering in Star Wars. Finn and Poe are so purely affectionate and supportive in a way that we we only idealize in our best human friendships in real life. Uh, they go so well together that some people actually like genuinely thought that they had romantic chemistry. And all that is is a misreading of the fact that an honest bond between two men is very beautiful. And I think Star Wars needed that more than they realized. Yeah, and it's interesting because Han and Luke uh, is a really great friendship that um, Anakin and Obi-Wan and another, like, it's, it's important to have these central friendships to the stories. And it's disappointing that it's not really explored as much as it could be uh, in The Last Jedi. But they get a good amount of screen time together again in The Rise of Skywalker and great uh, lines off of one another. General, general. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, it, it, they do have such a wonderful bromance. It makes everyone smile, any interaction the two of them have uh, with each other. And um, it, like Finn and Poe are great. Poe has a great relationship with BB-8 as well. Finn has a great relationship with Ray as well. Phenomenal chemistry. Uh, but I agree. Uh, and it's an honorable mention for me, uh, all of those ones. Um, but in particular, I would say Finn and Poe is the best of the chemistries of those as well. I think the only issue is that it's so clearly the best thing about Poe that you kind of feel unfulfilled about the Definitely. character. Like they really tried to give him his own storyline that was separate of Finn, who's preoccupied with something also bad in The Last Jedi, um, that they went too far. There could have been a much better story between him and Leia and uh, Holdo in The Last Jedi, but ultimately everything short of him and Finn together 
being cowboys and being equals um, is just kind of lackluster. And that I would say is the biggest difference between him and Foe, him and Poe, excuse me, him and Finn and uh, the Han and Luke dynamic where they are friends, Han and Luke, but mm. there is a seniority to Han. Like there's clearly a generational distinction that separates them at first, where even though Finn is equally naive at the start of their friendship, that's not really a present context in their friendship. The two of them are both baller at what they do. And so they're actually great compliments to each other. Well, I mean, it's interesting because they save each other's life at the start. I mean, they're just they're responsible for each other moving forward. And in the end, they end in the same place, general, general. Uh, whereas uh, Luke comes to Han for help at the start. And in the end of their relationship, Luke comes and rescues Han. Right. Uh, although Han says some rescue plan at the same time. Uh, it really works. Uh, the my favorite, uh, and I, I I don't have it coming up, and I and I and if you do, stop me. But like uh, the Han and Luke moment of like uh, I grew up here, you know, you're gonna die here, you know. <laughs> it's just like it, it's great to have that kind of like that key relationship, that back and forth banter. Um, and Poe and Finn have that right from the get go, like because uh, it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. <laughs> it's great. You're right. You're right. Okay, so uh, is it number four? I've lost track now. Uh, it is number four, uh, and it is the sequel trilogy uh, again. And stop me uh, if I'm going to hit on one of yours, but it is uh, Ray and Ren. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, st- let's stick a pin in that too. We can stick a pin in that, but uh, no, that is uh, a phenomenal relationship. Um, and so let's let's go to your number four. Well, this is what you wanted to talk about earlier on, uh, Luke and Yoda. Um, yes. do, you, do you want to get your piece in first? Because we had to uh, move along from that really quickly. Uh, yeah, it's just it's the fact that it's uh, it's such a great exposure to life lessons, uh, and it really is such a transferable part of Star Wars. Luke Skywalker is the character that when you're a kid, you're supposed to relate to the most, and that makes a, a ton of sense. It's the hero's journey. Of course, that's the character you relate to the most. Uh, as much as you may not, I wasn't a massive Luke fan as a kid, uh, but it didn't matter. The sequence of Luke uh, and Yoda there's no doubting it. Yoda is the, is the master and we, the audience are Luke. We are the learners. Uh, and then this relationship continues onward, uh, even into the last Jedi where it's actually the, like probably my favorite moment between the two, even though the best bit is the fact that there's so much content and empire strikes back together. Uh, why it's my favorite movie. Uh, but it's really great to see how that relationship has grown over time as well. And the fact that Luke is still the learner, he is still the Padawan to Yoda in that regard. Um, and how Yoda is still teaching him, not necessarily about growing up in this instance, but about growing old and about the lessons of being a master. He's teaching him not just to be uh, a Jedi Knight and a hero, but how to ensure that the next generation of Knights and heroes are, um, as uh, better than he was uh and the fact that he has to be excited to produce people even better than he was and the fact that ben solo ended up not being does not mean ray wasn't going to be uh and i think things like that are set up so great from the start of their relationship um and they have such a just a, a great bond and master yoda you can't die um but it's it, it's it's such a sweet relationship and it's so kooky he's so kooky around luke and I love it. He's just his craziest with him. It's interesting because Yoda very tangentially relates to a lot of characters throughout the series. Nobody more so mm. than Luke. That's an easy best pairing for Yoda. It is a little interesting and probably surprising that you would end up pairing Luke with Yoda. That that's Luke's best uh, partnership mm. throughout the series too. Because Luke has good chemistry with a lot of people. But Leia, Han. But everybody else. Ray. 
everybody else he has chemistry with has better chemistry with someone else. And so he kind of gets mm-hmm. defaulted to Yoda, although it is genuinely tremendous. Um, he's so deeply human and he relates to this other character in, in, I mean, it's a really visceral thing. It's not, it's not totally unlike uh, Kenny Baker playing a robot who doesn't speak English and doesn't have a face. I mean, it is a puppet. The dynamic between Luke and Yoda, uh, I mean, it evolves. Oh, voice acting though. Well, and not and not just that, like expressive puppeteering by one of the greats mm. of all time. Um, he expertly makes this puppet completely sincere and believable as like a mentor and leader to a teenager. Like one mm. minute, it's so comedic. It runs the total breadth of like comedic and tender. And um, in in many ways, like I don't I don't know that there's that there is um, like paperwork or literature on how to um, contextualize like an Academy Award for voice work or puppet mastering. I'm guessing that doesn't exist, but Frank Oz maybe deserves an Academy Award for Yoda. Like it's, I think it was uh, George Lucas's biggest push he ever did, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Okay. Um, the biggest one that he ever did for, and it was to get him a supporting Oscar nomination. Um, and it's, it's, it's deserving for what was, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and I mean, you could maybe make the debate in my opinion for Luke and Le- Luke's best chemistry being with maybe Leia, but I would, I would say maybe it probably is with Yoda and it's because Luke is such a naive character, uh, but one who's so powerful and yet Yoda is one that is so powerful, but doesn't, nece- isn't necessarily the one who's ready or capable of. Um, acting on that power and wars not make one great and this is Star Wars and so he has to be on the periphery but that's what makes it, it, it great because he, he does he doesn't follow everything Yoda says and nope. Yoda's wrong on some things and Yoda's right on most everything right but what's beautiful uh, about great. what's beautiful about their fundamentals as a as a a duo is that Yoda gets to witness Luke in all of his forms of wisdom. Okay. So from, mm. from young, dumb kid, stubborn, uh, works, builds him up to be this great and, uh, formidable Jedi master probably is, is counsel to him spiritually in some kind of way while Luke is thriving as a Jedi master post uh, return of the Jedi. And then he even still comes to Luke when Luke is troubled again as an old man. And yet through this entire arc, uh, of Luke growing, Yoda is always still the master. He is like Luke is still naive even as an old man when he's talking to Yoda because he can't even compare. And it's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful full circle for their story. Oh, Skywalker, always looking into the horizon. Right, right. Yeah. It's and it's true, nice. and it's a wonderful way for him to return to the series um, to to like you said, bring that relationship full circle. All right, number three. Uh, is this who's number three? Uh, well, it's you, right? Or maybe it's, it's your turn. number three. That's right. Yeah. It's your number four. Yeah. My yeah. number three, uh, is R2 and 3PO. Uh, okay. like we just talked about before. And right. so like, this is one that it, the best, my favorite example of it is, uh, is in a new hope. It's mm-hmm. the start of the, it's the start of the, of it all. Yeah. Uh, it's when they crash land on Tatooine and they get in an argument and they go their separate directions. Uh, and the fact that they reunite uh, inside the sand crawler and they're all happy about it. And it's it's so much drama from 3PO. But you're able to still be worried about R2 as they separate. Uh, they're in this giant space battle and they crash land to this desert planet. You're going on this journey with these characters. And it's just this like immediate love-hate relationship. Yep. Uh, and their best story is in A New Hope. And then that carries on throughout all of Star Wars. And so it's such an important relationship. 
Uh, and really, they're nothing. Well, 3PO is nothing without R2. True. Uh, and R2, I do actually have as an honorable mention uh, with Anakin for their relationship, particularly in the Clone Wars and the way that it's exposed. And in Revenge of the Sith, the great little bit of dialogue with uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. He's trying. He's doing his best. <laughs> I didn't say anything. It's uh, And it's just, it, it's it's so innocent. Um, but at the same time, it's something so important that George wanted to, to get across as these narrating um babbling comedians you could make the argument that they do not need to be the two characters who are consistent through every episode of star wars except it it's charming and it works because they're droids Mm. that they would always be around i mean i don't know who else you would stick in every single star wars movie it wouldn't make sense but uh, it's interesting isn't it that the only two movies of the nine where they actually have a significant impact on the plot are the first Star Wars movie and the last one, Rise of Skywalker. Like, like R2 is is the main... Uh, and The Force Awakens for R2. I mean, I guess that's true, yeah, in, in kind of a way You just don't realize it until the end. Yeah, okay, that's true. But, it, like, driving the plot-wise, R2 at Absolutely. first and then and then 3PO towards the end. Uh, and everything is else great. is... great. Everything else is just kind of, like, they're, they're so essential, but sometimes they're just hanging by. And one of the problems with the sequel trilogy is that... They're kind of just there because they can't break with tradition because that would be a problem. But it's at times they're very much in the way um, mm. or or lacking. Um, and I think 3PO's use in The Rise of Skywalker, um, conceptually, same with Palpatine. Love it. I love that he is a, a big part of driving the plot. It's just done poorly, unfortunately. That's true. Uh, but I think it's like you said, it's 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 a beautiful parallel for that relationship for him to get his due near the end. I agree with you. I think that the their um, introduction sequence that leads up to them being on Tatooine, their separation and their reunion, where they're bickering and it's very hostile, especially on 3PO's part, is a phenomenal way to set up the dynamic between this Greek chorus for the epic you're about to watch and then... Uh, Contrast that with one of my favorite moments in the sequel trilogy, which is when 3PO tells R2 he's been his best friend. It's just mm. gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful story. My very best, in fact. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And so they're they're easy. It'd be honestly, I know it's a bit of a technicality because like you can't see Kenny Baker, and maybe they don't even need him anymore. But I think you'd be crazy not to put these two on your list. Anybody? Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, your number three. Is it my number three now? Yeah. Okay. Heavy hitters now. We're playing in the big leagues. Anakin. Alrighty. I think I've got a. I, I think I know what yours may yours may be. Anakin Skywalker, Obi Wan Kenobi, in particular in the prequels. As on your list uh, coming up down the road, is there anything I, I should say about it first and foremost? Or would just stick a pin. Um. Well, it's. I guess what I'm going to go to next. So it doesn't really matter. Let's just talk about it right now. Okay. All uh, right. This is such an incredible relationship yep. and i'm really I'm, I'm shocked i'm absolutely shocked that you have anakin and obi-wan and not obi-wan and qui-gon um yeah i really really expected you to have obi-wan and qui-gon well and, and i can't put qui-gon on the list anyway spoiler alert it's not going to be qui-gon and watto in my number two spot what i can't believe you wouldn't <laughs> i know i feel um, weird not putting qui-gon especially since i've sung his praises so much in recent weeks but i mean it it's just not enough material. And and actually, they don't necessarily have phenomenal chemistry, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And that opening scene where they fight off the battle droids, it's fun. But mm. it's not the best of anybody. You know, Qui-Gon's mm. kind of better. Like, he's frankly, he's better with boy Anakin. He's better with Jake Lloyd. He does have great chemistry with Jake Lloyd. And yeah. another thing that I find interesting, once again, is you did take a key role in that 
the actors themselves play a big role. Kind of. Uh, and I'm real, and they do. But in this case, um, that's why I'm a little surprised to see Anakin and Obi Wan there, because as much as Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen uh, exemplify great chemistry at times, we are robbed of it at certain times. There isn't quite enough of it, and then there are some a, a few points where. Um, their separation, it, it sorely misses the like, uh, a, a building of said relationship. Uh, the true blossoming of this friendship uh, and this duo comes in the Clone Wars with Matt Lanter and James Arnold Taylor portraying the characters. Okay. Uh, and seeing Obi-Wan fake his death and Anakin like lose his mind and going on a rampage trying to find out... Um, who killed Obi-Wan uh, when they get imprisoned alongside Dooku, when they're trapped on Mortis, um, when Anakin finds out that Obi-Wan uh, used to be in love with uh, the Duchess of Mandalore, teasing him about having a girlfriend. It's just, it's so incredible the relationship building that they do between these characters so that you can get to that point of you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you. Uh, and then have it hurt that much more, right? Um, I seeing think, everything they've been through. I think you're selling them a little bit short, though, in in episodes two and three. I mean, it would be very easy to rest the whole in this the whole installment on my list on that that scene we've talked about again and again uh, from Revenge of the Sith, where Obi Wan like has to battle and defeat his fallen brother, leave him to die on the fiery shore. Uh, the passion in that whole sequence is palpable and phenomenal. The, obviously, it exists in the battle itself, in the lead up to it. A much richer, more nuanced example of the chemistry between them, and I mean Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, because mm. uh, I don't have enough familiarity with those two voice actors. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, just the openings of that movie, Revenge, and also Attack of the Clones, where their friendship is so joyously on display, their partnership, mm -hmm. they engage in confrontation as a team, whether it's to Dooku or, you know, some bounty hunter or whatever, or when they're uh, confronting each other over the Jedi Council or Padme. Um, mm. It's always so imbued with love and equity. Um, and, and by the way, also, because I'm kind of fixating more on the actors, um, only one of those actors is given their due credit for the solid mm. effort in those two movies. But the chemistry, to me, only works because of both of them. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. And I mean, the elevator sequence between the two of them. Yes. Ex excellent. Absolutely. Uh, another happy landing. And oh, I'm not brave enough for politics. That business on Cato Nemoidia didn't count. Like, that's incredible right. like, chemistry. Um, uh, oh, we came here to rescue you. Good job. <laughs> and like little <laughs> things like that. Like, it, I absolutely agree. Um, Caden Christensen and Ewan McGregor uh, definitely sell it. Um, and it's, it's just one that uh, it gets built upon with so many more hours of other content, uh, and is one of my absolute favorites and us growing up at the prequels, it, it certainly helps. And then on top of that, uh, another key thing that is important, uh, I don't, uh, distinguish, uh, Anakin and Vader differently. Right. And the ultimate moment of, um, I was once the learner, uh, and, uh, only a master of evil, Darth, and just that entire battle, like it, it's, it comes to a phenomenal conclusion and is one of the driving forces of the original trilogy. And mm -hmm. so it's not like, uh, and we're very likely to see more of it in Kenobi. So <laughs> there's a chance this one could uh, make its way to number one on my list. I think you're, uh, I think incredible. you're, you're ranking Star Wars relationships more so than chemistry. And that's fine because we Maybe. didn't really distinguish that. And and, and it's, it's certainly it's a great story that leads up to that battle uh in a new hope i actually think that 
separate of all the context that we learn later, the confrontation between Vader and and old Ben Kenobi is kind of hard to watch. I kind of don't like really derive anything from it evocatively anymore. It just feels very stiff and very slow and kind of like they were creating this vague dialogue to paint a backstory later, which is in fact what happened. And yeah. Um, and yeah, of course it, it is, it is slow, but I, I think it's important and I think it's, it go, it also lends further credit to the acting job that all of the individuals have done. Right. The fact that they know that that's the, the end of said relationship and the fact that they, everything acted uh, by Hayden Christensen, Ewan McGregor, uh, Matt Lancer, James Earl Taylor has been knowing that, and then has been able to deliver on that, which is which is impressive. And Anakin's got great like chemistry with like R two and Ahsoka, uh, and not really with Padme, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But no, it's definitely with Obi Wan, and Obi Wan has good chemistry with Yoda and uh, with Qui Gon. So no, who, they uh, they really do top it for me. Who or, does Padme you know, have top. have the best chemistry with in Star Wars? Um. Padme, if anybody, somebody is her best. And it's not Anakin because it's so cringy. And I don't know. I don't think it's Obi-Wan. They don't have great chemistry together. Uh, Qui-Gon, they had kind of good chemistry in in uh, Phantom Menace. I'd say that was pretty decent chemistry. Um, but that's kind of her problem. Honestly, like there's even a moment where she runs into Jar Jar again. I guess it's an Attack of the Clones. And like it's weirdly okay chemistry. <laughs> She's like happy to see him. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's better than the Anakin one's chemistry right. somehow. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Well, also, they hadn't worked together at the start of Attack of the Clones. So it's my turn for number two. You and I briefly, like, vaguely talked about this in person the other day. There's a chance that my number two is your number one if your number one is what you kind of indicated the other day your number one would be. Yes, there's a very good chance, which means that your number one is my number four. Uh, yes. Should I talk about that first? Sure. Or, or I guess it doesn't matter. Okay, okay, so we we only have one left each then. Yeah, we have my number one, um, and is likely your number two, and your number one is like was likely my number four. Okay, so then I guess we're just gonna get. What's Let's your, go what? to your number two. Your number two is my number one. Okay. All right. We and made this so is, complicated, didn't we? Yeah, and, I know. And, and that is Han and Leia. And it's Han and Leia. I mean, look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I crunched the numbers. I don't know if you found this as well in creating a, a long list where you were able to double up as much as you want, but I was so surprised to see Harrison Ford is one of the highest ranking in like general chemistry among cast members of the saga. He works well with everybody everyone with luke and lando 3po is a kind of a strange one but it's a, definitely chewy uh, uh chewy of course ray jabba the hut even it's like it's a really tough one to select although it's not because star wars is, right. is innately a very romantic adventure and uh it's actually kind of the only solid romantic love story in all of star wars is han and leia the smuggler mm -hmm. and the princess and it's not just uh, him doing all the lifting. Obviously, what he brings to like every other character interaction, Leia brings to him. Whip smart, back and forth, passion, pain, a full relationship between A New Hope and The Force Awakens, like right down to like mar marital problems, which is so nuanced for a kid's movie. Their opening mm -hmm. fight on Hoth and Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. It cements them as one of the greatest movie lovers of all time. Uh, and the actors kill it, so it's it's certainly not wrong to put them in the number one spot. No, and to be honest, I think my favorite moment of their chemistry is when they first meet in A New Hope. Okay. Uh, like, into the garbage chute, Flyboy, and it's <laughs> it's uh, the 
everything about it, it's just immediate frustration with one another, uh, immediate hatred for what the other one is, uh, and just disdain um, judging said book by the cover. Uh, and then you see how the relationship is developed by the time you see them in Empire Strikes Back. And that's when, like you said, you get the absolute best of it. Uh, and it builds this relationship. They uh, have a son together, uh, who then you're able to get more relationship. Han is great relationship with, with Ben Solo, Kylo Ren as well. Uh, and so, I mean, you get so much from these two, and it really, uh, it, it's it's the best relationship, in my opinion, in, in, in the saga, but it's the best relationship in the original trilogy for sure. Yes. Uh, and, I, and I definitely understand um, wh why you chose your number one the way you did based on the way you interpreted uh, this uh, particular um, uh, topic. Um, but under that, I still stand by my choice, uh, Han and Leia. Um, but at the same time, there's also what hasn't been said about that relation, this relationship. Well, I just tend to think that maybe the it's... The scoring. There you go. The Han and... The, yeah. Han, the uh, Han Solo and the Princess is what it's called, I think. I, I, assume, I assume they didn't like create this mold for like uh, unlikely lovers first meet and can't stand each other, eventually can't resist their feelings towards each other. That's not new with Han and Leia, but I do feel like their particular flavor of it has kind of been copied again and again. I can't think of any explicit examples, but it just feels so uh, quintessential to ensemble casts. Is like, yeah. you, know who, you know who it's not unlike is um, Sawyer and Kate. In Lost. Definitely. Oh, good, good example. Really good comparison. Yeah. Really hits, hits the nose there. Kate, definitely a very different character than Leia. Yeah. Uh, but it's certainly a very strong female character and one not to be trifled with. Leia being a prisoner uh, in uh, like a, just a, a big white sheet um, <laughs> is able to take the blaster and come up with a plan on how to get them the hell out of there. So That's right. Okay, so all that's left is my number one. It was your number four. Did we do this yes. right? Is this like, is this the best way we could have produced this episode? Uh, we probably could have, um, I don't know, gotten on the, the same page a little bit better as to our defining traits because I understand, uh, and I, I, maybe it's consistency in the way we determined our lists, uh, from an acting perspective, um, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, without a doubt, uh, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley have the best chemistry in Star Wars. I don't, I, I, Han and Leia have the best chemistry in Star Wars, but I, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley have produced to the best chemistry from an actor perspective. I would agree with you in that regard for sure. I'm not a voting academy member. I don't know if the first thing about the academics of of being an actor, but like pound for pound, this is the most talented pairing of any two actors in all of Star Wars. Like and and by the way, they're like greater than the sum of their parts. Like he's yeah. obviously a great actor. He's been nominated for a couple Academy Awards. It'd be really interesting to see going forward uh, what Daisy Ridley is like in a more grounded, realistic acting context, separate from him. Because while I suspect mm. she's a great actor, it's very hard for me to remove her from not just Ray from Ray to Kylo. And so it seems unlikely to me he was doing all the heavy lifting in that in that partnership. But in a way in terms of acting chemistry, the two of them are like a dyad because I can't even see the seams. It's as if hmm. it's as if they auditioned together with the same vision in mind. It's it is the best thing they did since 2015 is pair these two up together. Not just hire them individually, but pair and I like I, I have not sung the praises of the sequels a lot since we kind of reformatted the podcast recently. I very minimally celebrated the sequels. 
Um, and it's also amply on the record that I love those movies, by the way. But if, yeah. if, if there's anything in those three movies that is of a quality class that is the best of Star Wars, it is the tension between Rey and Ren. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. Uh, the Last Jedi is when we truly get to see it like exposed for the first time. Uh, the dyad that they share is incredible. Uh, that weird, like the filmmaking that Ryan Johnson does, and the fact that they're like um, th- just the calm conversation that they're able to have, uh, and then how it grows into a frustration almost that like, oh, I'm still seeing you, sort of thing. Uh, it's it's so powerful. Uh, and then the best part is when it sums up in the end when they're handing the saber off to one another, like, okay. This was a pain in the ass to us at the start. Now we are so goddamn in sync that we are seamless literally in the force. Right. We are so seamless that we can do things uh, beyond space and time. Like we like we are we are one in the same despite not being physically the same person. Uh, and then they're able to actually make that visible. The only reason that the dyad exists in Star Wars is because these two actors had such good chemistry right. and created such uh, a need to alter um, the intended storylines for these characters. But looking at the storylines of the characters, it is, um, it, it's ambitious, frankly, for like a movie that's supposed to be for everybody. This is not, you know, two best friends. It's not um, two lovers, although it has features of those in, in it. It is comedic at times, like they're kind of like sparring verbally. It's mm. not even a relationship between two enemies. They're enemies, but with sympathy towards each other, and that's such a unique mm. nuance for like- Key, key empathy. Absolutely, because they are one in the same. Do you, by the way, know anything about the, the technical uh, history of, of shooting those force FaceTime moments, particularly in The Last Jedi, although I guess they also appear in, in episode nine, is like when when we have a shot on on Ray talking sort of face to face with Ren, is Adam Driver behind the camera, like helping her and her vice versa? Like how do they shoot that? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but it's more so well, I mean probably so that they're able to kind of get that back and forth. Right. Um, but we're really able to be put in the zone from what they do with the sound uh, and the visuals. And it's just, I mean, anyone who does voice acting is they're often not acting against somebody. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to. Um, but the chemistry, especially shown in um, The Last Jedi, makes me believe that the other was on the other side of the camera. Um, and although then again, uh, Adam Driver, like, did they fly him out to Scotland or Ireland or wherever Octo is uh, mm-hmm. so that he could be on the opposite side uh, as of the screen as Daisy Ridley? Well, there's good rumor that uh, the Knights of Ren were uh, supposed to attack Octo. That was a heavy believed rumor before The Last Jedi came out. So maybe people believe that because Adam Driver was on Octo uh, and had to do scenes. Or maybe he wasn't. So it, it, who knows how they did it? Uh, it almost... It, it, it almost adds to the it doesn't matter because whatever they did, they pulled off so brilliantly. Yeah, I wonder. I, they probably didn't fly him out to Scotland, but they they probably had like an ISDN line or something so that he could feed her her lines. That chemistry is too rich. And you're right. You know, when they shoot a lot of uh, Pixar movies, they don't have to be in the same room together. Actually, that is a bad example. I think a lot of Pixar movies are uh, all recorded with people in the same room together and the Simpsons as much as possible they record together because there is a palpable 
energy a benefit an energy to your performance if you're actually feeding off the characters you're supposed to be feeding off of not exclusively so but i don't know there's something pretty real about the two of them talking to each other and they talk to each other as much from apart as they do uh face to face in this trilogy and none of it ever feels awkward no absolutely not uh, kind of a fun little uh, aside, uh, but um, the character of Kanan, who I've mentioned before, Kanan and Ezra from Rebels, they have a really great relationship, and they come across uh, Maul later in the series. And Maul tries to kind of steal Ezra away as his Padawan away from Kanan. Yeah. And so when they when they did the, the voice acting for that, uh, they stuck the actor for Ezra between Sam Witwer and Freddie Prinze Jr. Literally, they did Devil and Angel on his shoulders. Oh, interesting. And so that the two of them were like talking to him in a, in a way of like, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. Right. <laughs> uh, and so it, it's, it's kind of cool. They really want to uh, be able to push that. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Ryan Johnson wanted to get that the most out of his actors and same with JJ sort of thing. So just a couple of more that I want to mention, uh, pairings that never would have made the list, but they're worth noting because they're not necessarily who you consider first up. Um, one of them is, uh, I said Anakin and Qui-Gon. Um, Ray and Finn, obviously, that's not the yep. anything with Ray. You're immediately going to cancel anybody else because she's so good with Kylo. But t- together, they're so great. And frankly, Ray and BB-8 have such a like. As long as we're, yeah. you know, it, frankly, BB-8 has better chemistry with than, Ray than Poe. Almost, yeah, because you don't see him with Poe that much. He's really good as like kind of an antagonist, not really an antagonist, but she's so annoyed by him. Oh uh, yeah, especially at the start of the Force Awakens and Luke and R two. It's a real yeah. like like uh, dog dad relationship between the two. I pr- I much prefer the Anakin and R two relationship, okay. uh, especially from the Clone Wars. Uh, they have like a couple plots around that, um, but even just like the defending that Anakin does to Obi Wan, like like clearly they've R two has gotten into some hijinks that uh, Obi Wan has rolled his eyes at in the past. Um, but I think I mentioned, uh, maybe the only one I haven't mentioned so far is Vader and the Emperor. That's another bit of great chemistry that we really never talked about. Well, and isn't it interesting how often we've said that Ian McDermott delivers one of the best performances in Star Wars and he didn't make our lists at all just because he's kind of better on his own. I mean, he's good yeah. He's good with Vader. He's good with uh, Hayden Christensen's Anakin. He is good all the time, but I don't know that that's the moment for the other person to sing. And this is really a conversation no. about pairings. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. It, it really is. He he sings on his own. Um, I mentioned uh, Ezra and Kanan. Uh, Kanan also has a great relationship with Hera. Uh, it's probably the second best uh, romantic relationship in all of Star Wars to Han and Leia, to be honest. Um, very um, just warm, positive relationship. Um pilot and uh cowboy jedi okay um other than that uh i think i kind of mentioned uh most of mine as we were going through uh luke and leia was um i'd say of of all of them maybe luke and leia was the best um the best of the maybe han and chewy sure han and chewy or luke and leia one of those two was the best of the had to be cut because they had a better partner elsewhere it's too bad for chewy because it seems so obvious like they're obvious in fact, the first time you have this conversation with somebody, you're like, well, obviously Han and Chewie, you have to think about it for another second to realize that Chewie's not going to make your list. No, he's not, which is a shame for him. Yeah. Okay, so as we mentioned on the podcast last week, uh, there was going to be a Mandalorian trailer dropping any second, and then like four hours after we finished the podcast, the trailer came out. So should, we, it, yeah. should we chat about that for a sec? 
Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, we can quickly mention that they won six Emmys. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, so special uh, visual effects uh, for the episode two, uh, cinematography for single camera uh, for episode seven, uh, sound mixing uh, for comedy drama uh, chapter two, sound editing for comedy drama chapter one, uh, production design chapter one. So chapters one, two, and seven seem to have gotten um, the... The, the, the cred, which is Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, and um, F7 was a Deborah Chow episode. Uh, and then music composition for the series, uh, original score, uh, Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. So moving uh, close to his EGOT uh, and definitely deserved such great uh, music in that show. He's close to an EGOT? Yeah, he just needs a Tony. What does he have an Academy Award for? Um, Mad Max? Black Panther, maybe. Oh wow! Um, yeah, you said he was buddies with Coogler. That's cool. It, or yeah, maybe something he did with um, Childish Gambino. He's, he works very closely with him as well. That's what he's, I think he got his Grammy for. Yeah, he wouldn't um, win an Oscar for something he did with with Gambino. Well, maybe. Interesting. Gambino. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, guess, I don't think he has one. Anyway, for him. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Mando season two. Um, we got a trailer, um, and there we got a poster. Um, and we also got a little extra likely confirmation, well, not a little extra, a lot of extra confirmation that we're getting Boba Fett. Okay. You think? So, yeah. Um, Boba Fett's jetpack, his helmet, um, and, uh, so Boba Fett, his jetpack and helmet are in the trailer. Yes. Um, they're seen on the back of Mando's speeder as he's speeding away. Um, and Timora Morrison, uh, his uh, CV from like an inside Hollywood sort of source got leaked, uh, and he has Boba Fett on his CV. So <laughs> well, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll kind of do it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because uh, we're definitely going back to Tatooine. Uh, of course we are if we're getting Boba Fett. And there's been the heavy rumor of Cobb Vanth um, being the one who'd be wearing said armor. Uh, and then we see a bunch of shots that look like they take place in Tatooine. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we see some ice planet shots in this trailer, which means uh, we could be going to Ilum, which would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks a lot like the the, the crystal caves um, where kyber crystals would be found. The Jedi would go and harvest their crystals. Uh, Ilum is the planet that Starkiller Base was built on. Uh, so it seems like it makes sense that if uh, Mando is going to search for Baby Yoda's species, um, he is kind of under the impression maybe more than finding the species is finding the race of enemy sorcerers, i.e. the Jedi. And so finding a planet like Ilum would definitely be following uh, a logical pathway to trying to find the Jedi for them. So would Starkiller Base be under construction at this point in the timeline? Yes. So Starkiller Base has been under construction since essentially the Empire started. They, okay. Since the Jedi Purge, uh, Palpatine took the info we found in the Jedi Temple and was like, oh, perfect, Ilum, let's harvest it for our... Uh, um, if we need it, we can get some crystals for the Death Star and then let's build this other project as well uh, because they mostly got the crystals for the Death Star from Jeddah. Um, but essentially, they just went to all of the kyber-rich areas the Jedi had been harvesting their kyber crystals for lightsabers and just raped them for materials. Right. Uh, and so Ilum is a logical place. Um, uh, there's Jedi Temple there, so it would make sense for um, Din and, and Baby Yoda to maybe be uh, going searching there. So... That makes a lot of sense. There's a water planet, uh, which it's probably a new planet. It could be like Mon Cala or something, but it's probably a new planet. We get to see a cool like fishing barge. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It looks like they're uh, 
going on a, on a journey, uh, taking many a different vessels. It's like around the world in 80 days sort of style, the way it kind of shows them on all these different um, uh, vehicles in the trailer. Um, there's some thin Gamorreans fighting in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Which is really weird to see, as opposed to the fat Gamorrean guards from uh, Return of the Jedi. We could see some, some thin, piggish Gamorreans. Uh, there's a shot of X-Wings flanking the Razor Crest, right. which looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, S-Foils are in uh, attack position, though, so that means they're likely uh, either fighting together or they're putting up like a Warner, like Mando, you better land, you're like doing bad stuff against the Republic, or he's gotten in like on the good side of the Republic, so it's kind of interesting. He will engage with the New Republic in some way, shape, or form. And this is the best thing about this trailer, is it just gives us so many sick visuals. It amps us back up. It mean nothing. We don't know anything, and that's exactly what you want. It's an expertly Mm -hmm. made trailer. Yeah, I absolutely adored it. Uh, Most of the voice, uh, all of the voiceovers from last season, and then I think the only voice from this season uh, is that guy who you said sounds like Chris Evans, Uh, but I listened to again, and I think it's actually just Jon Favreau. Oh, interesting. Um, it really sounds like Chris Evans to me, or at least that was the f- immediate instinct I got when I heard his voice. I was like, that is for sure who that is. And I, I it was just an instinct. He's the Cyclops guy. Yeah. Uh, and based on his physical shape, he could also be played by Jon Favreau. And also, if they're doing anything like the first season, most of these shots will come from the first episode or second episode. True. Uh, in which case, Jon Favreau is directing the first episode. So it also makes a ton of sense for it to be Jon Favreau. Yep. Um, I forget what the species is of that Cyclops, but that's like a Cyclops that's existed since like A New Hope. So that's kind of cool as well. Um, but uh, we see the Razor Crest flying through space with its back door open and it's like looking like it's barely hanging on to dear life at the start yeah. of the trailer. So it bailed. Uh, so it may crash onto some planet, which uh, I don't know what, maybe it looked like it was Tatooine that was approaching. I don't remember what planet it looked like it was approaching when it was crashing, but it wasn't looking like it was in good position right um and then uh there's a couple other cool shots there's a shot of uh, a graffiti riddled town um with um uh, a guy being kind of strung up and hung upside down mm-hmm. um i don't really know what the deal is there uh, but all the graffiti definitely points to sabine uh, the character from rebels uh who has been rumored to be in the show last seen with ahsoka uh, so it would make sense. Uh, Sasha Banks is an actress who's rumored to have, a, uh, not rumored, has a role in Mando season two and is the one who's the mysterious figure in the black cloak. Uh, she's a wrestler uh, in real life. And so that has made, given me the theory that she is, uh, a lot of people theorize that she's playing Sabine. Um, I think that this, that because she's a wrestler adds extra credit to her potentially being Sabine because they could get away with um, dubbing over her voice with the voice actress if the, that, they wanted to do that. And from a visual perspective, she looks exactly how I would picture her to look like in the real life. In real life, So that would be make a lot of sense. Here's a Mandalorian who is looking to connect the Mandalorian with a mini Jedi to her Jedi friend who is the last connection to the old Jedi Order, really. So it makes a ton of sense for her to be a, a conduit. Uh, and it's rumored that... Um, uh, all those rebels characters and make it a live action spinoff. So that could make a lot of sense too. I wasn't, um, uh, I wasn't it just looking makes a lot of sense. I wasn't looking closely enough, I guess, because I initially thought that that was Ahsoka. And I think maybe they expected you to think that, or at least I, I know I'm not alone because Ahsoka trended on Twitter for the rest yes. of the day. Yes. Cause I mean, that's what I, like people are like, they first see and you don't see enough of the face. 
Uh, you just assume that it's like this giant like hood, and if you don't really know the character, that's fine. Um, Ahsoka would have to have a really big hood because of her tails, her head tails. True. Um, and so that wouldn't work either. But at the same time, um, people were probably also like, did anyone see Ahsoka? Because everybody's expecting uh, something like that. And the fact that it was believingly leaked, uh, it makes sense that, okay, are they going to do a reveal if they think that people already know? There's a chance that they could. Um, I'm glad they didn't, though. I'm, right. I'm happy to wait to see the the reveal on that. The episode six of season two is called The Sorcerer. So if we do uh, have um, Din and, Ma- and uh, Baby Yoda come across uh, a Jedi, that's expected that that'll probably be when that occurs. Okay, so that's probably all we need to say about that trailer. That's coming out very soon. And at that time... We're going to shift the podcast back to our old song and dance of actually like breaking Star Wars down uh, in depth. The difference will be when Mm. season two of Mando comes out, we won't have this like backlog of other stuff we were working on. So we'll be able to get right to it. So rather than recapping and deeply dissecting Mando uh, season one after we've already seen it a couple of times, we're going to try and have these conversations intensely week by week. And so that'd be kind of a fun way to to analyze Star Wars in a different kind of capacity. Yeah, I'm not sure what the release schedule is going to be, whether they'll do like two in the first week, like they kind of did last time or how it's going to go. But um, it'll be good to kind of do some things live. Uh, It'll be the first time that we don't know the end of that section of said story while we're reviewing section of said story. Well, Um, sort of, except for that we we could not really because uh, we recapped episodes seven and eight before we knew how the trilogy was going to end. Uh, I guess you could, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I, we didn't like, I guess, recap an episode before said episode ended. Um, but no, you're right. That is, that is a, that is a very good point because it does change a lot of the context. Uh, and we can maybe do a little bit of a summary episode at the end. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Anything else in star Wars news this week? Uh, the only thing is that, uh, there was, uh, a part of the rise of Skywalker, the opening scene, um, where Kylo encounters this like giant spider, uh, it gets its uh, kind of life force um, from this other giant. Uh, it's supposed to be they had like a symbiotic relationship kind of. It's supposed to show Kylo's uh, relationship with the dark side and Palpatine and kind of be a metaphor for that. It was one of the deleted scenes from on Mustafar at the start of the Rise of Skywalker. And this creature was a, a dark side guardian of Vader's on Mustafar from Mustafar's castle. And so he, they just kind of have a conversation and it does exposition and guides Kylo on his way. Uh, but they're bringing that, that got cut, but they're bringing it back into Canon with a comic book um, and not doing it. So in a way that it's um, Kylo, but it will be a, a story of Vader and uh, this said spider. So it'll be kind of interesting to see some more origins there. Uh, and it's good. you will be able to kind of see things. Uh, I'd love, I can't wait for stories that, uh, give us more information about things like Exegol, for example, that can add more context to something like the Rise of Skywalker so that it is richer in retrospect. Right, of course. Okay, that it? Yeah, that's it. All right, want to say happy birthday. We had a bit of a birthday drought last week, you might remember, and we're coming in uh, with some beasts this week, so we're making up for lost time. Happy birthday on Tuesday, September 22nd to Richard Marquand, director of Return of the Jedi. Nice. Uh, and on Friday, September 25th, happy birthday to Donald Glover who would own that birthday uh, in terms of the Star Wars family, except he shares it with Mark Hamill. So happy birthday to, the, <laughs> to those fellas. 
uh, a couple of good ones. Hey, uh, we'd really love to hear uh, your thoughts on your favorite uh, instances of chemistry or just relationships in general in Star Wars. Interpret that however you like. You can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Please consider rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast app because that's how we enter algorithms and can be uh, discovered by other Star Wars fans. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>